Hello. Hi. Welcome back to another episode of Make It Modern. It's Ashley. And Kelsey. And uh, I'm pretty excited about this week's episode, but um, for multiple purposes, because I have officially turned 25. Yay! And with that means I get to pick a birthday episode, and this was, uh, I was very excited about it because it's very on brand for me. Well, and it's also, we've, it, for our birthday episodes, for those of you who have not been listening since day one, which, like, don't blame you, um, <laughs> <laughs> we get to choose whatever subject we want to do, and it's, like, no, no bars hold. So, like, for my birthday, I read from a young adult novel I wrote when I was 14, for your birthday last year, we did our first astrology episode. So, like, I guess this is our one-year anniversary of the astrology series, too. Mm-hmm. So, this year, I'm very excited. Also, happy birthday. I did think it was today, and I did have a bunch of, like, cute things planned. I, I was going to, like, sing you into the episode, but um, it was yesterday. <laughs> and I didn't realize it was yesterday. I, by the way, this is the second year this has happened. Because I definitely remember last year doing the exact same thing of, like, I'm 90% sure Ashley's birthday's on the 5th. I'm 90, like, 99.9%. And then I'll see the birthday posts of, like, it's the 4th. I'm like, God fucking damn it, again. I did it again. <laughs> I was so and mad we had, at like, myself. definitely been talking throughout the day, and I was like, eh, it's fine. She'll remember at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like the biggest asshole of all time. I felt so <laughs> awful. I was like, this is just not... Fair. <laughs> I felt so bad. I'm so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> to be fair, I didn't forget your birthday. I just thought it was a different day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pips. <laughs> I, this is like us in a goddamn nutshell, though. Like, for sure. Oh, man. I was like, this could happen to me one day, so I'm not gonna, like... I, truthfully, I didn't care, but also I was like, this is good in case it ever happens to me. I'd be like, before you get mad, remember that one time? No, those two times. <laughs> no, no, you get to lord, I mean, <laughs> you get to lord this over me as long as you want. That it's been two <laughs> years in a row that I think your birthday is on the 5th and it's on the 4th. I have, why do I think it's on the 5th? Like, I don't know. You've told me so many times it's November 4th. <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, of course it's the 5th. <laughs> I hate myself. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, how was how was your birthday? How did you, how did you spend it? Uh. <laughs> to be fair, I'm doing stuff with my friends this weekend, so I am not. I didn't really want to do anything. I feel weird asking for people to like. It's my birthday. Will you hang out with me? Like, I don't know. I'm not good at that. So yeah. I um had a pretty low key day. My coworker. Uh, and I actually have the same birthday and we are like pretty close. So it was kind of, it's just like we make, it, it makes perfect sense that we have the same birthday and her mom came in town and took us out for lunch. So that was really cute. Um, and then I went home really quick, changed, and then I went out and got myself some tiramisu. Ooh. I went to Noodles and Co. and picked up some pesto pasta. Ooh. And then I came home and watched one of the movies that we're talking about today, as well as Dancing with the Stars. So really, I think I crushed it. And uh, then today, I went to the dentist because Mercury retrogrades is happening. I and don't. I <laughs> fucking chipped my tooth. And then, like, I was looking at it. I was like, it's just a chip. It's fine. And then like, a minute later, like, a chunk comes off of my mouth. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. And it was like, <laughs> my crown is, like, basically falling apart. 
And they're like, oh, yes, you have a porcelain crown, which, like, is kind of outdated and, like, good on you. Like, you somehow managed to grind your way through it. And I was like, thanks. And, they, and then the dentist was like, so we're going to get you the cubic zirconia one. And, like, you know, like, it's so strong that if you had, like, a wooden stick on it and you hit it with the hammer, it wouldn't shatter. And I was like, that's, like, really aggressive. And the hygienist Also, that's was like, so specific. I know. And I was like, the hygienist was like, no, that's actually the commercial. I was like, you guys have commercials for, like, what you're – that's all okay and i was like today my joke was like i've always wanted a cubic zirconia crown but this is a little bit much it's so oh <laughs> oh that's so good though <laughs> i took the treat yourself on your birthday a little too literally um so yeah i have like a, a temporary one right now and it's just kind of miserable because i'm so paranoid about like oh, chewing sure. on it so yeah it's going to be, like she said, a minimum of 10 days before I get it. <laughs> and I was like, of course, this is Mercury Retrograde. Like, this is my time Mercury, to just kind of Mercury retrograde. fall apart. What do I always say during Mercury Retrograde? Like, don't give it the power that it deserves. Don't, like, don't do this to yourself. And um, I don't know if I'm just not taking its advice or it's just hitting me super fucking hard because it's, like, new moon, Scorpio season, Mercury Retrograde. I have cried every day of November. And I'm like, what? Like, not even for good reasons. Just like, I have cried every day of November. And I'm like, I can't stand it. Like, I was, I took a walk with my aunt this morning and I was like, I'm done. I can't mark your retrograde. I'm done. I can't do it. I'm just not going to leave my house till the, what, 19th of November? I'm like, I can't do this. It's killing me. So, uh, mark your retrograde. Um, big shout out here. You can go fuck yourself. So, that's what I've got going on. <laughs> I feel that way as well. I think, I feel like I have been like extra like sensitive these past like couple days, mm-hmm. and like I woke up on my birthday having a very vivid dream, and I was like crying. Oh no! And I was like, "What is this?" And then I was like, eh, "Okay," and I rolled over and like fell back asleep. <laughs> but I like later throughout the day, I remembered that moment, and I was like, "What is this?" And my mom sent me this really cute birthday text that made me cry, and I was just like, Aww. "Man, I'm just crying left and right." Um. So, yeah, I feel that. I feel like you have told me, too, that you don't like to know when Mercury retrograde is, and I also don't like that, but then someone sent me something like, of course, with your Scorpio season, Mercury retrograde's happening, and I was like, okay, like, that's aggressive. No, but- it's true, because I'm like, I, I try not to think about it. Like, I, I've had, what, I've been too into astrology probably for about five years now, so, like, when Mercury retrograde hits, I am very much the first person to be like, don't fucking tell me. I don't want to know the dates. I'm like, I'm just going to ignore it because if I think about it, it gives it more power and then I just will these things into my life. And to be fair, the first two Mercury retrogrades of this year were really mild for me. Like, mm, I was No, like, the last one was rough for me. Oh, no. I was like, I beat this shit. Like, I'm doing what I said I was going to do and just take, you know, take my time, triple check every email, like... I own Mercury Retrograde. Cue it up and I've cried every day of November. So, (laughs) like, definitely. And not only that, I have had everybody and their mother calling me being like, what is wrong astrologically? And I was like, well, it's Mercury Retrograde in Scorpio season. I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't know what else to tell you. Like, everybody in my life is having a really weird, hard time this past few, few, like, few days. Yeah. So it's good it's, to know we're not alone, <laughs> I guess, is the plus side. 
Um, My cousin just texted me about it, and she was like, so this explains why it's a literal dumpster fire right now. <laughs> She's no, like the everybody's life like... that I've spoken to is like fighting or crying. And like, these are people who like I, no emotional issues ever. And they're all losing their goddamn minds. And I'm well, especially like, it's a big deal. I feel like for you and for me to be crying because yeah, cause as a don't. Scorpio and like Aquarius, we don't cry. No, like we're not supposed to. And then here we are like, what? Like, <laughs> I spent like... two and a half hours on Saturday on the phone with my twin brother, his girlfriend and his roommate. And all of them had to like make me feel better. That was something that happened. Do you understand that that is something I never wanted or expected to happen? <laughs> I just called Pat being like, hey, dude. And he was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I hate that you know what's wrong with me immediately. And he was like, oh, God, it's bad. It was so miserable. I felt so bad because this is like the first time I'd met his girlfriend over the phone, which like, by the way, she's fucking lovely and I adore her. But I'm like, oh, no, this is like such a bad first impression. Things are great. Everything is great. Everything is so great. Everything is amazing. Anyways. <laughs> do we want to get in? Do we want to get into something actually positive, i.e. the subject you chose for this week because it's like your subject you've been wanting to do forever? Yes. This is my history of spirituality series. No, I'm kidding. This is not. <laughs> this is not like my project. This has been something that So, as we've talked about here before, I absolutely adore old movies, and Kelsey does not. Correct. Um, And it's something that we've talked about, because I'm like, Kelsey, like, I don't think you mean it when you say, I hate old movies, or I don't love all old movies to that be are all fair, predictable, because really, I'm like, no one really means that. You you did <laughs> make me check my vocabulary, because I am one to, like, euphemize and hyperbolize. That is correct. I do not hate all old movies. There is a large majority that I dislike. And I have my reasonings. Like, I'm not just saying, like, oh, I've never seen them. I just don't like the idea of them. Like, no, I have my reasons, which we'll get into on this podcast. But, yes, you did change my wording in the fact of, like, no, I just dislike a large amount of old movies for certain reasons. But you, on the other hand, this is, like, our main point of disagreement literally in our entire friendship. <laughs> literally. And whereas, like, for Kelsey and I, for things that I have never always agreed with, I feel like I've come around quite a bit because I never really thought much about, like, obviously astrology or um like a lot of the spirituality we did it was really cool to learn about it because it's not something yeah you I always just kind of like brush that stuff off I was like eh, I mean it's not a big right, deal like you but... disagreed from a place of like I've just never been into it yeah and I think for me I get so annoyed with people when they say old movies are boring or they're all the same or I hate old movies and I'm like you don't because there's no way you've seen them all one and two like not all old movies are boring. It depends on what kind you're watching. Now, totally. if, you know, like if we're watching like a Doris Day, Rock Hudson movies, those are just like the funny, like, you know, it's the same kind of storyline as like, not like a Hallmark movie, but similar where it's like predictable, like a couple gets together, something pops up that makes them go apart and then they get back together. Mm -hmm. But obviously the storylines are different with everything. And I think with that, like, obviously I love those and I think all of them are great in their own right. And one day I would really like for us to do a Doris Day episode because I adore yeah. her. Um, but you know, there's, there's different kinds. There's like the Alfred Hitchcocks, there's the suspense, there's the film noir. And like my first real, you know, 
experience with it was actually with my stepmom. And that was something we would watch a lot together. And like, I think the first thing I watched with her was actually <laughs> the monkeys television show. And that was like our thing. We would like watch that all the time. Oh when my I was God. Younger. My mom used to be obsessed with that show. Not when I was alive, but she had like a massive crush on the monkeys, which is hilarious. Cause my dad looks nothing like any of them, but there we go. <laughs> Mickey was always my favorite. Sorry, Davey. Uh, um, and yeah, Mickey was my favorite, even though everyone was obsessed with the other ones. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that was something that like really kind of like brought us really close together and like, it was these old movies. And so, um, I think the first one I watched, I want to say it was probably a Doris Day and Rock Hudson movie. Mm-hmm. And then like the one that I fell in love with that I did not have us do cause I <laughs> watched it with Kelsey before and I knew it would not be her. No. It's- Re- reflecting back, it's not her favorite, but Seven Brides or Seven Brothers. That's why I love, like, Hallmark movies so much and things like that, because I just like to know that I'm going to get that fucking happy ending. And then, you know, Liz kind of introduced me to, like, the suspense ones. I remember watching Rear Window and being so fucking terrified what was going on in that apartment across the hall. And I was like, oh, my God. Right. There's a body in there. And it was just like... And I loved it because she knew I wasn't into the super scary stuff because I'm a major wimp. But the suspense really sucked me in. And so... For my birthday as like, you know, like a 25th birthday episode, I thought it'd be not, not that, you know what I mean? Anyways, I thought it'd be really fun to talk about something that I grew up with and has played a big role in my life. And just the kind of movies that I think are almost timeless. And it takes me back to another time, right? With like the fashion and just the the mannerisms and not all mannerisms have aged well, obviously. And I think there's several in the movies that we're going to be talking about that were like, "Eh, you know, maybe not great, but, um, it's obviously like a time that it was different back then, and it, but bless you. you, another one, Thanks. just one. <laughs> no, okay. I just do my like tiny little like mouse sneeze, my Disney princess, <laughs> and then I'm usually good. Oh wait, no, maybe I saw my aunt's dog this morning. That's why I'm sneezy. Gotcha. I knew there, there was one go. more. I knew it. <laughs> It's just so sad. I have somebody at work who sneezes like eight times in a row and I think it's absurd. <laughs> but I'm like, I can't, I, you can't help how much you sneeze and you can't help what it sounds like. Although every time I sneeze, everybody in my family is like, that's unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, continue. Um, You're explaining this very well. What was I even saying? Oh, man. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry. We derailed with my sneeze. Timeless fashion, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, um... I love these. I love Audrey Hepburn. I love Fred Astaire, Bing Crosby, all these kinds of movies. And I know not all of them have aged well with the things that go on in them, but I think there's so many other components in them that make them great. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't know. There's something that it's weird to be passionate about old movies, but I just, I love it. I think, you know, the sets that they used for the, the films and there's just so much artistry that like they had to do manually that today yeah. most of the stuff we do on a screen is through CGI or computers, right? Like it's a completely different kind of manual labor. Um, I mean, it, it does depend on the film yeah, for sure, but it, it definitely, that was one of the things that like I noticed right away in both films is like how practical everything is. Mm-hmm. And I, I watched one movie and God, I really, really wanted to like it. It was an old movie. And it was strictly on this, like, set. It was supposed to be... Oh, it was with Rosemary Clooney. And it was supposed to be, like, a kind of, like, a funny Western. But it was on, like, an actual painted set. And you watch them, like, walking through. And it's just, like, yellow everything. And I was like, I really want to like this. But I think this might be too much for me, you know? So I I was like, (laughs) I had to stop. I was like, I can't. I don't want this to ruin it. Right. Um, But, yeah, I just think there's something about them. And, like, the music and the dancing 
it's like we don't really have as many like musical movies like that like in hollywood you don't have to be able to dance sing and act as much now some people try that aren't great at it to be honest but you know it's not it's not a requirement and you know it's just will we have people like a fred astaire or you know like a bane crosby i don't i don't know and that's why i think i like these so much because i can glom onto those and just be like why would i need another one when i have gene kelly and judy garland right here like in this fantastic movie you know uh yeah i think um i mean coming from it coming from the other side of it first off like i didn't grow up in a household uh, that's false i grew up in a household where my father loved perry mason so i do love perry mason um but other than that, it's never been something that my family's really enjoyed. Like, my mother never got into movies until she met my dad. And my dad, growing up, was far more into TV. So, like, he always liked Star Trek and stuff like that. He was never a big movie guy. Um, but he likes, like, he likes a couple of old movies here and there, but he's not a huge fan. And I think, you know, where my bias comes from is where my bias often comes from on this podcast, which is a screenwriting bias Um, in the sense of it doesn't follow the structure that I hold so dear ever. Um, But I, I, there is a certain part of old films that I really do respect always. Like I don't look at a Hitchcock film and I'm like, even if it's not my thing, I'm always like, it's a fucking Hitchcock film. It is the start of where film began, and I can see the evolution from where it was to where it is today, even if it's, again, not something I enjoy. However, I think that's why I don't um, gravitate towards them, and I don't find the magic in them that necessarily you do, because I think a lot of it for you is also nostalgia. You know, you you grew up watching them with your stepmom, and also the fact that maybe you don't analyze films as much as I do. You like your books. Like, I'm the first person to say, like, I don't analyze books. You know? Um, And I think a lot of these have that kind of longer form, world-building pace. And that's something that, like, I mean, if we want to start getting into it, do you want to say which two movies you made me watch? (laughs) Yeah, so I did To Catch a Thief with Grace Kelly and Cary Grant, um... Because the structure was picking movies that I thought Kelsey would would like, and then I wanted there to be like a a difference between them. Like I think the To Catch a Thief for me was gonna be more of a gimme because there's the, it, I mean it's a Hitchcock film. <laughs> like I really thought it would be like I knew she would like that kind of vibe. Another one I had considered was doing Rewindow, but we might do that another time where we can watch it together and kind of do like a mm-hmm. live react. We kind of talked about that. Um, that'd be fun. But on the other end, I did, because the common theme here is Cary Grant, because I'm obsessed with him. Um, mm-hmm. and the other one is The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer, which probably might not be as well known as To Catch a Thief, because it's, I mean, it's good, but it's not like, you know, a, 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 at that same level. And it's with him, Myrna Loy, and a young Shirley Temple. And I just think it's so different because the, Shirley Temple kind of, like, dominates the film and is really the one that's getting everyone into this precarious situation. But but it kind of follows the more, like, traditional layout where it's, like, you know, a, a guy gets into a situation that he doesn't necessarily want to be in and it's, like, all these bumps and stuff on the path of him ending up with, with the woman that he's supposed mm-hmm. to end up with. Um, and I love Shirley Temple. I adore her. So I thought it was kind of fun to see her 
you know, not be like the little girl from Heidi. <laughs> um, right. And like an adult. But she kind of always played that same person where she wants to be older and, you know, ready to move on. And then, you know, not really caring about the people she gets hurt in the way, like poor Jerry. Um, so <laughs> it's just, yeah, I wanted to do something a little bit different and see what she would think. And I liked, I mean, Myrna Loy is kind of like a boss in the movie. She's a judge. She is no nonsense mm-hmm. and she's pretty practical and she really just cares about her little sister. So I thought that might be a movie she would like, but it's a little bit less of a gimme than To Catch a Thief would be because I didn't want to like, I wanted okay, it to be a little challenging my... <laughs> for you, right? Like a little bit of like a, well, I like Right, it. no, like getting me out of my comfort zone and that I totally appreciated. And as you know, I was really down for um, so I, this is, I told you before we got recording that I'm going to shock you with some opinions. Should we do a quick, do you want to do a quick synopsis or should I do a quick synopsis of what the movies are about? Or do you want to just do your opinions? Sure. I mean, this is just like a quick take oh, yeah. for Go both for of Go them, just so you know how I feel. So you can kind of get where my analysis will come from later. Okay. Um, so for To Catch a Thief, I loved the first 10 minutes and hated the entire rest of the film. <laughs> And for The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer, it was the exact opposite. I thought it was delightful. I hated the first 10 minutes. And then the rest of it, I was like, this is great. (laughs) So what you thought was a gimme was not. And I have my reasons. But, like, I just thought I was like, I feel like this is going to shock you. Oh, it 100% does. Actually, so my... (laughs) I asked my stepmom, I was like, what do you think we can get? Because my whole family is well aware of how you feel about old movies. Um, oh, sure. And they were like, let's let's figure this out. And she's like, Myrna Loy, how could she not like her? And I was like, I know. She's a fucking boss. <laughs> she's a boss-ass bitch. And I love, anyways. And give she asked synopsis. me, like, are, we, are we sure about To Catch a Thief? And I was like, well, it's Hitchcock. And I mean, we could do Rear Window, but I was like, I kind of want I've seen Carrie Rear Grant. Window and I yeah, do enjoy it. Yeah, and I was it, like, we got to do a little different. Yeah. We thought about well, also I, doing a Philadelphia story, too. I don't think I've... I have seen a Philadelphia story, but not recently enough for me to give an analysis about yeah. it. Um, anyway, so why don't you give your synopsis, and then we can kind of get more into, like, why I felt the way I did. <laughs> so, To Catch a Thief is about a retired um, jewelry thief, Cary Grant, uh, John Roby, and um, basically he has to come out of retirement because he's being framed. Um, a lot of jewelry thieves or jewelry heists are happening and um, he has to kind of clear his name because the police are convinced it's him. And so he goes and meets with his old buddies from the resistance and who also were aware of his days of heisting and stuff like that. And they're not really exactly the biggest fans of his and he kind of has to figure out a game plan. So he partners with an insurance, a jewelry insurance person to kind of get a list of who are his biggest clients that will most likely be the next victims. And that happens to be Grace Kelly and her mom. And her mom has like a fuck ton of jewels and is just always going to wear them Just to Americans in France, just like really living their best lives. And you kind of think that right when you meet Grace Kelly, she's kind of a bit of a boring person, a very bland. And she turns out to actually be quite a handful for Cary Grant. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, she finds out who he is, um, is like oddly into it until like her mom gets robbed and she's like, nope, don't like you anymore. And you're like, but what? Like you just but knew what he was. It was okay. a very fast, it was like a literal like two minute 180. Yep. And I was like, what, what, wait, what? <laughs> it's pretty accurate. And, um, 
So then he, she's kind of competing with this this young emphasis on young French girl who um, keeps making moves on him, even though like because she's the daughter of one of the the pals from the resistance, even though like no one likes him. But she's like, you could have me. Like, why go for the old used car? And I was like, shots fired. Um. So yeah, then it turns out like she realizes that it's not him because in the newspaper. He's he's going to this house because he's gotten a, like a threat, like you know, stay out of my way at the whatever villa, and he goes and actually he's almost ends up getting killed, but it turns out to be this other guy who is the the, the father of the the young girl who's been making all these passes at him. Um, they go to a masquerade ball, which that that scene is my that dream scene party. Is, <laughs> that is costume porn one out one. It's beautiful, like oh it's my gorgeous. god, and she. Grace Kelly walks in like it's supposed to be very like Marie Antoinette in this like beautiful like gold lame gold dress lame. and it's oh uh, and her mom stunning. is like dressed to the tens like it's be- beautiful like if you're not gonna watch a movie just watch for that scene just watch that scene that's it's it so pretty um and you know they accidentally it's a plan they they're there to try and catch the thief because there's so many jewels at this luxurious party and people are staying at this villa and um. The mom and Grace Kelly accidentally let it slip. Like, they call him John, and the police are there like, oh, shit, he's here. Like, we got to watch out for him because they really want to catch him. Um, Mm -hmm. And at that party, the same resistance people, because they work at a restaurant, and the main guy owns the restaurant, um, are at that party. So after the party's ended, everyone's asleep. This person, uh, he's waiting, and he sees them crawling around on the roof. He gets out there, and um, everyone wakes up because they hear pretty much. And it turns out that the the thief is... um, the girl, the young French girl, been making a pass, and he makes her, like, confess and all this stuff. And, yeah, Which, he ends up with Grace Kelly, a little surprised, because <laughs> he's like, oh, like, they're finally together. And then she's like, mother's going to love it here. And he's like, the fuck? Are we getting married? No. Okay. And then end. <laughs> so, yeah, that's To Catch yes. a Thief um, in very, very broken down layman's terms. Not my best that description. Is, yeah. But I tried. It's like a two-hour film. <laughs> um and then yeah, I okay, so we we'll start here. Go ahead. Yeah, let's just let's just start with this one because I I, I want to get out a couple things because I do understand why you immediately thought I'd like this in the sense of like I do really love Psycho, um, and I do really like Rear Window because I think in those two like what I kind of realized watching this is like everything that Hitchcock does has that like. Hitchcockian like feel to it you know what I mean Mm -hmm. that it it like you know if a film is shot by Hitchcock because his cinematography is absolutely one of a kind the shots that he comes up they're just they all look like beautiful photographs is the best way to put it Mm -hmm. and so I do want to give this film the credit of like it's gorgeous it's one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen and it was hilarious because um I think I've told you this, like, two or three years, no, four years ago, I did an internship at Cannes, which is where this film is set, and so I saw the hotel that I used to stay in, and it looked way nicer in this film than it did when I stayed there. That's so cool, um, <laughs> Then there's, yeah, and so, like, I have a bunch of pictures of that scenery, so I was, like, I was, like, kind of getting nostalgic over that, but I will say the thing that kind of deterred me from this film is the pacing. Um, I get it that it was supposed to be, like, very suspenseful, but I had a hard time, like, following. And because to me, I'm like, okay, I got it. He's this ex-thief, whatever. 
until you read me that synopsis, had no idea that the people he was talking to was the Resistance and had no idea that that girl was, like, the daughter of the Resistance. The entire film, I was like, what is this woman's purpose? And then about halfway through, I was like, oh, she's obviously the thief. Because that, why would they give her this much screen time? <laughs> like, because she serves zero purpose other than to insult Grace Kelly, which, like, how fucking dare. <laughs> Um, do not approve at all. Like how Grace Kelly is my namesake. So I am very protective over her. My dad wanted to name me Grace Kelly because he had a crush on her, which is why my mom looks like Grace Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, so my name is Kelsey Grace because my mom switched it around because she was like, I'm six foot one. You're six foot one. We could give daughter, like our daughter could be a linebacker. And so they're like, why would we name her Grace when she's going to play for the, you know, the Chicago Bears? And um, thank God they did not name me Grace. I'm the most uncoordinated person on this planet. So they switched it around. So my name for a really long time was going to be Kelly Grace. (laughs) And then my mother one day was like, I don't love Kelly. And my mom's name is Christy. So she likes those like hard consonants with like an S in the middle. She's like, what about Kelsey? So she thought she made up my name. But anyways, that's how my parents named me was the only thing they could decide on is Grace Kelly. <laughs> so I'm protective is what I'm saying. <laughs> and how dare this little French girl insult an icon? Who are you? Anyways. So that's how I felt about it is I was more like upset with the pacing than anything else. Cause I was like, all right, you need to give me something to go off of. Like I was more invested in the romance than I was in any sort of the crime. Whereas, like, Rear Window and Psycho, you're invested in the crimes, you're invested in the nitty-gritty shit. I think it's because in those ones, the romance takes almost a backseat. Totally. Um, totally. And with this, it's it's something you... It's not a movie that you can multitask while watching because you're going to miss it when Absolutely they're speaking. Absolutely not. Um, and, you know, like... And the dialogue is very complicated, which is very Hitchcock. Yeah. Like, and so you're it's gonna, not like, simple. Every interaction has a purpose. Um Yes. And so I think with the resistance stuff, like, you know, when they're in the, sh- in the kitchen, there's obviously a lot of people in there, but that's when he's talking about it. Like, we're your old friends at the resistance. They're not happy with you because of, like, you're the one in a mansion and we're the ones working down here. And so you have to really, Got like, it. put all the stuff together because that's when he's talking about it. I was it. also more focused because it's <laughs> – this is such – this is, like – I I went to film school. I'm a nerd. I could tell that the guy who was always on the phone, like the older guy he was talking to in the kitchen, um, I don't know his name, but he was like older and French. They had to redub his lines. Mm-hmm. So it didn't match his mouth. And it bothered me the entire time because I'm having to look at the subtitles. <laughs> so like that to me, I was like, this takes me out of it. I can't even focus on what they're saying. I'm so annoyed. On that note, did you know what so the personal shit. Henry Golding... I like his lines where he's speaking to the people in Singapore, like all dubbed. No, yeah. what? Fun fact: modern day dubbing. Um, so <laughs> modern day dubbing's come a long way since Hitchcock. Um. Anyways, back to this. Yeah, and so it's it's different, and like the girl, I I really thought that the cat was gonna be. When I remember when I watched it for the first time, I thought it was gonna be, um, the guy that was always just like, hanging around doing pull ups. Oh, yeah, that was a really interesting character he's that I don't there. know his purpose. Like, he has no purpose, but I think he's only there to make no. you suspicious. Like, is it you? Oh, for sure. Um, And he's part of, like, that crew because I think he, he's also at the party and he pours the brandy for the mom or whatever. And I was like, wait. Yeah, he's him. the red herring. Um, But, yeah, it's, it's, 
I could see where it would be a little bit different. It's kind of not like a King Arthur vibe where it's it's quick paced, you know? Like Mm-mm. that was they're throwing so much at you at once, whereas this one, it's like you really have to just be listening and watching to pick it up what's going on. Yes. Yes. Um, Very true. And when they do speak in French, you're like, what? <laughs> like, and oh, there yeah. are subtitles, that, but... It's still one over my head. <laughs> but um, I loved the shoot, the like, everywhere they were filming. So actually, like, this is not a fun fact, but actually a sad fact. In there's oh, no. a car chase scene in here, and mm-hmm. um, it's actually... The same, like, where the, the, okay, hang on. So, on September 14th, 1982, Princess Grace Kelly was killed in an automobile accident in Monaco on the same road as her famous chase scene in this movie, and not far, far from where she'd had the picnic scene with Cary Grant. Um, I hate that. I know. So, when you, wa- I, re- I read that after I had watched it for the first time when I was watching it today. I was like, this is super fucking sad. That's awful. Um, So, that's not a fun fact, but that is just, like, an well, uncanny experience. Insert- <laughs> your theme song you you don't earn the theme song with that fact it's not fun no i have fun facts for other people but other th- ones. okay good <laughs> but yeah so i just i think i like this movie because of just like the the cinematography and i also it was suspenseful but not quite suspenseful like rear window where you're really wondering uh, see, like what the fuck is going on over in that apartment whereas here it's like Okay, so it's not Cary Grant, then who is it? (laughs) I think this film is perfect for people like you who are not um, horror fans or thriller fans or suspense fans. I think this is, like, the best gateway film you could possibly get. Because I do... For me, I'm oversensitized. And I've, God, said this a lot of our film episodes, is that, like, it takes a shit ton of horror to scare me. It takes a shit ton of thriller to make it feel the payoff feel worth it for me. And that's because that's a lot of what I watch. Mm -hmm. So like for me, this was not suspenseful for me. I didn't care. I just wanted to watch it because it was pretty. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. Like, like... And that's the, that's the part where I was like, I'm still going to watch the film. I don't love it, but like, it's super pretty. Which, um, hearing you say that actually kind of shocks me a little bit because I feel like if you wouldn't like it, you'd just be out. So I'm like, see, she hey. does appreciate the old movie beauty. <laughs> to be fair, I have never, ever argued with you on old movie beauty. I've argued with you a lot on old movie script structure. And pacing. <laughs> but I've never said that any old movie is ugly to watch. Because I, I don't think they are. What's interesting to me also is I have other friends who have done screenwriting and they they still, they don't like all old movies, but they do like, can appreciate them because the script writing, sc- screenwriting standards we have today weren't the same back then. So no, to hold it under that, you know, kind of guy, it's just, there's just no... You can't it's, really compare yes. it, you know? It's like literature from back then, I can't hold it to literature to today. But personally, I feel like literature back then is much more of an art form than literature is today. <laughs> it's a different type of, like, well, sentence structure. But it's different. And I can acknowledge <laughs> that, like, my standards that I have aren't universal for all literature. No, and also, like, I don't disagree with you that these films are far more artistic than the ones made today. I don't disagree with you that, like, technically some are more highbrow than what I enjoy. I never said what I liked is, like, the standard or, like, what should be good. Because, for the, to be completely honest, I don't love a whole lot of Oscar-winning films. I like what I like. 
um, and I find good what I find good. And it's usually, like, some film nobody has seen that was made in 1992, because I'm that bitch. Um, <laughs> I feel that, but, like, go back a little further. <laughs> You know, so it's like, it's, but I, I objectively recognize that A, Hitchcock's films are unmatched when it comes to cinematography, and I have always felt that way. Um, you know, the dude used fucking chocolate syrup as blood and psycho. Who the goddamn thinks of that? It's amazing. You know, it's like, those films in particular, especially Rear Window, if you think about how hard it would be to write a film and essentially the set that would make up a play, which is something that I really felt with um, The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxers, that that was much more like a play, which I think is a lot why I enjoyed it. It's because I do love theater um, and I love the idea of keeping things contained. And I find that to be very hard when I personally write. So I'm always very um, like appreciative and congratulatory to people who can contain a story to a very limited amount of sets. And I think for this one, for me, this film was so much more about highlighting the scenery and highlighting, you know, the beauty of these characters. To me, the story fell flat against the backdrop, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I get that. I just think the one thing that I wanted to be a takeaway from this is that you can't hold all types of movies or all types of, of literature to like the same standard. Because For sure. it's like, back then, it's not the same type of expectations we have now. Or vice, you know what I mean? Like, and it's, it's just something that I think you have to put your mind to. I mean, for gosh sake, even when we talk about history, you know, like, when we were debating it, like, Thomas Jefferson, mm-hmm. it's hard because, like, this is a very, like, hard turn. But, like, you have to think about him as what was okay back then, you know? And, like, yeah, it's, it's a very different thing. Obviously it's a completely different situation compared to like a genre of movies, but I just think it's like that where you always on, on this podcast, especially I like to look at things with, okay, so this movie was set back then. How did it hold up to then? And like, you know, and also like, yeah, like how does it hold up to now? Like, is it a, a movie I still enjoy? And for me, obviously mm-hmm. the answer is yes for you. That could be no, you know? Um, but it's, you can't judge it based on a standard you hold that you've been taught in class. You know, like for me with literature, I have to like, kind of chill out sometimes when I'm reading like okay like you know like who do you think you are Ashley so it's like no 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 and I do feel the same way too and I don't want that to be misconstrued it's like I'm definitely like this is a personal opinion like this has very little to do with like what I think the public should view it as and like just because I don't like something doesn't mean that other people don't have to like it I still think it's great you know and it you're you're completely correct in the sense of like yeah the film structure, the film dialogue, everything like that was really different back then. And we expect, like, I think, I don't know if we mentioned this on the podcast earlier or we were just saying it on the phone, that, like, everything is done so practical. All of these stunts are done real time, you know, nothing is CGI and there's a magic in that, Mm -hmm. you know, but that, you know, I can put aside my opinions and yet they will still cloud my judgments you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like I don't like the pacing of a film that doesn't matter what age it's made in you know what I mean yeah like just because pacing's different back then it's just a personal thing yeah I prefer quicker pacing whereas like Bachelor and Bobby Socks are perfect pace in my mind like I really liked that pace and I liked how quick it was and how quick you know dialogue was and stuff like that 
so I think it was in just this particular film, you know, yearly standard aside, was not a good pace for me. Mm-hmm. I think that it's a, doesn't mean it's a bad film. We've been talking about all. that with like like Disney movies, you know, like. Mm-hmm. I love 101 Dalmatians. Could I get a kid today to watch it? Probably not. <laughs> like, yeah. And but, that's what uh, this like podcast is about, is, mm-hmm. you know, making shit modern. <laughs> mm-hmm. God, I love that movie. Um, So <laughs> I guess I feel like, are you, is there anything else you want to add about this one? Or do you want to move into Bachelor? And the Bobby no, I'm good with moving. So Let's move. Oh God, how do I even describe this one? <laughs> Poor Cary Grant in this one. Um. Oh man! Oh man! <laughs> so he really gets fucked over. So in it's this so one, brutal. it's all about a. Uh, <laughs> here, let me pull up on IMDb, and then we can fill in the blank. A teenage girl becomes infatuated with an artist, Cary Grant, a man many years older than she. Her older sister, a judge, convinces the artist, J- Cary Grant, that the only way to cure the young girl's infatuation is for him to take her out every night for a week. The sister's powers of persuasion are enhanced by the fact that the girl had sneaked uninvited into his apartment to model for him and takes a dim view of 40-year-old men having teenage girls in an apartment. So it's either date the quail or go to jail. That's actually really funny. Um, Yep. This is written by Les Adams. Thank you for your contribution to IMDb. But so I'll kind of add to that. He... She, he had been in court. It opens with a courtroom scene. Myrna Loy is there trying to figure out what the fuck happened at this nightclub. And it turns out that Cary Grant's kind of at the bottom of a fight. And it's all because of a series of misunderstandings. Um, <laughs> and she lets him off, even though her sort of person was into her. The district attorney's like, you should, you know, we want him, have him arrested or whatever. Like, you need to keep him around. And I think right then and there, she decides, you can't come into my courtroom. I own this it's kind of stop mansplaining to me and let me run my courtroom. Um, and yep. is like, nah, you can go. You're fine. And the, the district attorney's office is like, what? Um, so he goes and he goes to speak at a school, which um, unknowingly is her little sister's school. And that's where Shirley Temple is. And it's, I love this scene because he goes up to the podium and everyone's like, oh, great. Like another speaker. And then every, all the girls start seeing him and start clapping and hooting and hollering. And he's like, oh my God, like they like me. They really like me. And it's no, and it's like, it's so fucking extra as well. And I loved it because it's like, it's not clear at first, like why they're excited. Then you realize like none of the guys give a fuck. And you're like, oh, cause it's Cary Grant. Yeah. Like, oh, they're pumped cause he's hot. Like, and at that point, I think that was like the turning point for me. Cause I, I, I had like, a little trouble understanding what was going on in the beginning because I, you know, they tend to like introduce people all at once. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wait, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? And it very much like once that started happening, I was like, this is enjoyable. I really <laughs> like this. And her her sort of bow Jerry is just sitting there like, the fuck? Like, why is she into this guy? And then, you know, the whole concept is like a knight in shining armor. And towards the end of his speech, she's standing there and she just sees him in the knight in shining armor. And she's like, yep, that's it. That's for me. She's really resourceful. I'll give her that. Like, she figures out. Girl is like, <laughs> it's like a level of stalker that I could only aspire to be. <laughs> She, like, immediately follows him outside of the auditorium and says, well, I'm the editor yeah. of the newspaper and I would like to conduct an interview. And it's all about, are you married? Have you ever been in love? And he's like, what is this? And so she somehow kind of twists what he's saying in her mind to think that he is okay with her going over to his apartment to model. Mind you, break into his apartment and be, like, a model right. for him. And No, but she's, like, she's basically just literally, like, going up to him, and he's just saying yes just to, like, kind of get rid of her. Though. Yeah, because he has plans. He's like, please go away. And so, <laughs> it's like, and I think, wait, does she fall asleep there? 
Or no. I think she does. Yeah. Or, or she's just lying down on his couch when he comes in, basically. And I think he's kind of doing his own thing, comes back, sees her asleep on the couch. He's like, what is going on? And then he ends up in jail. And you just see him like, young girl in my apartment. Mm-hmm. Yep. And just running through it on his hands like, I, I, I'm not getting out of here. Like, there's, this is it for me. <laughs> it's, and so um, the girl's uncle, who also happens to be a psychiatrist or psychologist, um, weighs in with what he thinks that they should do and they come up with the plan of he needs to continue to go out or you know go out with her to get this infatuation over and also avoid right, which, jail like, time <laughs> i have some thoughts about that continue and so um, he's like what and so the lawyer's like side his lawyer siding with them and like saying this is a great deal and he's like i don't think any of you understand what you're telling me to do and so he ends up going with her to a basketball game at her high school it's just so bad it's so <laughs> awkward but it's so beautiful and he's it's just the like funniest you see at several points through the movie that he's just thinking like how did i get here <laughs> right like what events in my life led up to this monstrosity that i am now because what is it she says he's gonna be 40 when she's 21 so that's 18 years mm-hmm. so like assume she's 17 plus 18 what is that I'm bad at math. We know this. 35. Put, uh, thank you. Okay, so this is a 35-year-old man at a high school basketball game. With if a that isn't the creepiest... <laughs> with a 17-year-old. And mind you, like, this police. is where, like, the purest soul of the whole movie, Jerry, comes in. Just, like, really wanting to win. Like, I, I love the line where she's like... Jerry's so good. There was something, so like, cute. he didn't want to... He's like, I'm not... Or I'm not too good for you or whatever when you're out of allowance and need someone to take you to the movies and buy you a shake and i was like shots fired jerry and so I was like, jerry the world does not deserve jerry i think he's jerry so is cute perfect i also think he's cute i'm like why the fuck are you going for carrie grant you got jerry i know girl. like this is the high school girl's dream and i was like J- <laughs> quick side note i um I'm now unironically addicted to TikTok <laughs> because of course I am. And um, I saw this TikTok the other day and it's this girl like going through high school yearbooks and she's like, everybody says the 1980s is where the hot boys are at. I would argue that my grandfather's 1942 yearbook would like prove that wrong. And she opens it up and it's like the hottest men you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and you're like, cool. So dudes in the 40s could really like they could get it. That's all I'm saying. And Jerry's on that list. No, for sure. Jerry, Actually, though, I feel like up. people back then were just all beautiful. Like, my cousins. Right, like, what the fuck happened? My cousin's grandparents, their, like, engagement photo, he was in the Navy and, like, in his, like, outfit, and she's just there. And I'm like, your, your grandparents are Hollywood starlets is what you're trying to tell me, right? Like, this is what I am looking at. Like, they're beautiful. Anyways. Um, so, yeah, Jerry's not having a good basketball game. He's very clearly distraught that Shirley Temple has kicked him to the curb. And right. um, Cary Grant finds out that's her bow and she's hoping to incite some kind of jealousy. And he's like, wait, Jerry could be my savior. <laughs> so he, like, when Jerry gets benched, he calls him over and he's like, you know, I would really love for us all to get together. Like, he's like, let's go out for drinks. I mean, so does. <laughs> like, once again, 17 year olds. And so the movie kind of progresses as it goes through its ups and fails. And he's really trying to just be done with this. And she's not really letting him go anywhere. Lo and behold, we end up at a picnic. He decides to like turn off everyone in her family by acting like a teenager. And Myrna Lois, will you just cut that out? And he's like, I'm just living my best life, man. And he's trying to be competitive in these Respect like. Respect the hustle. Right? <laughs> what is it like? 
who, the power of the man. What man? Oh. And he just goes in circles. Uh, um, yeah, it's the funniest. It's just cute. And, like, they go to this, and he's very competitive with the district attorney, who's still very much so into Myrna Loy, but really she doesn't seem to care much for him. <laughs> and so it's a big competition. And then, bless Jerry's heart, he sets it up. With Shirley Temple, Shirley Temple asks him for his help, and he sets it up so that Cary Grant can win the final competition, and he and his friends all, like, block everyone off and get him to win that trophy, and he's just so happy. And, like, but then, you know, as he's accepting the award and just doing all this for, like, Shirley Temple, Myrna Loy pictures him as the knight in shining armor, and she's like, what is happening to me? <laughs> Meanwhile, the uncle is like, yes, my plan is working, getting her, like, yeah. a real person in her life. <laughs> And she invites like, him out for in- drinks, and um, they seem to be having a great time, but then, you know, kind of pan back earlier to the beginning, where it's like, he ends up in this, like, terrible situation, because everyone just keeps showing up. That's what happens here. Like, he runs into the people from the beginning, um, he, Shirley Temple finds out, and she comes bursting in, Jerry comes in and tries to get her attention with, I'm, I'm got drafted, and she goes, we're not even in a war, Jerry. And it's just like... <laughs> it was... So good. Like, this was so funny because I was, like, so just ready, especially because I watched To Catch a Thief first, and I was like, all right, I'm just, like, I don't know if I'm in the mood. And, like, by the end of it, I genuinely was, like, cracking up. Like, it was so good. I mean, minus the whole part about, like, Cary Grant trying to catch a case, but, like, everything else was fine. (laughs) It's just, it's cute. And, like, he ends up with Myrna Loy, obviously, Shirley Temple has, her, her her uncle has a stern talking to him and she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll keep Jerry. It's fine. It's like, she's so understanding. That was the only part of the movie where I was like, that's really like not a teenage girl move at all. Like teenage girls are the worst human beings on this planet. We've had this discussion. Like this bitch isn't going to get one stern talking to from her uncle and like forget her forever love. Like <laughs> that was the only part where I was like, I know this has to happen for a movie's sake, mm-hmm. but like. She is really, really amicable. So, well, one of the girls at one point asks, you know, um, is Myrna Loy, is this her daughter? And they're like, no, we're sisters. In real life, Myrna Loy was 23 years older than Shirley Temple. So I was like, sisters, huh? <laughs> like, it's just interesting. I think there's just such a charm to this movie because it's just so funny. And, like, I'm truly, truly glad you liked this because I was really hoping, like, what's something that you would normally not watch but could be something that you enjoy. Oh, I'd never pick it. I would never in a million and a half years pick this film. Like, it doesn't sound like something I'd be into, and yet I had a delightful time. But I do, I think a lot of that reasoning was because it felt so much like theater to me. Mm -hmm. Like, it had that same, like, someone walks through the door, and then this person walks through the door, and everything's gone to shit, and everybody's misunderstanding words. And, you know, it had that element of comedy to me. Which is so fun. Like, it's just fun. Like I said, it's, like, the only word I have for it is delightful. Like, I just was like, oh, this is, like, just, like, it's brainless. Like, nothing's happening that's bad. There's no super-duper conflict other than, you know, Cary Grant might have a thing for younger chicks. And other than that, I was like, this is just a good, fun film. And it really did feel like I would want to see this on stage somewhere, for sure. Oh my gosh, I love it. There's another one that I think, at some point in this podcast, we will seg into, like, an old school musical. And there's one with Judy Garland and Gene Kelly called Summerstock that I think you will also enjoy. 
um because it's pretty quick but it's like judy garland's really fucking funny in it um but See, I was... the musicals, the musicals, you know how I feel. Like, the musicals scare me because I do sometimes have an opinion about old musicals, mainly from the standpoint of, like, not that I think they're bad. I actually think a lot of old musicals are really good. I just hate the music. Fair. <laughs> because I think I have, um, I think I've said, I have synesthesia, so it's like, when I hear music, I see colors and, like, stuff like that. So I think all old musicals sound like the color that's, like, sepia. Like, like this, like... <laughs> like this well, sort of like muted ass yellow brown we'll, we'll watch one together when i'm home at some point and i think i think okay. summer stock is like an underdog because like that one and meet me in st louis are just like judy i don't love meet me in st louis but i i will do summer stock i'll do summer no i said those are some of judy garland's i think like she's just like perfect in them yeah. i did not was not gonna suggest meet me in st louis for you because i was like i know she's not gonna like it um, no but like wizard of oz i love like wizard of oz is amazing and that's also because it's such a different like idea compared to like these like typical like musicals you know yeah like the seven brides for seven brothers i was like this entire musical is green like <laughs> this is a sage green musical <laughs> I and think you it like doesn't... Summer Stock. Gene Kelly and Judy yeah. Allen are pretty fucking fantastic. I it. do love Gene Kelly so much. And, like, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory again. Like, not Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Gene Wilder. I get those... Yeah, I get the names mixed up, but you know which one I'm thinking of. I got you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, But Gene Kelly and Judy Garland's friendship is really cute. And, like, I feel like it'd be really great. I would like to maybe, after doing this, do, like, a Starlet series. Um, oh, that'd be fun. Where we do, like, a Doris Day and Audrey Hepburn and, like, a Judy Garland and Can we do a princess die? Yeah. Even though, I mean, I know she's not a movie starlet, but it's princess die. We talked about doing a princess one, too, because, like... We did American princesses. Yeah, but, but we, we talked about maybe do doing, like, a, another one. Like, obviously, like, because Grace Kelly's one, we want, talked about well, her we should and do, like, die. married into royalty. We'll talk about this. Yeah, we'll talk about this another time. <laughs> Brainstorming. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think this would be kind of a, a good stepping stone for future ones, and I'm going to keep thinking about other ones, but Bachelor in the Bobby Soxer is truly something that if... You are dabbling in wanting to watch an old movie and kind of have never watched one before. I think this is a good start. I think you'll really I love it. Yes. Shirley Temple's <laughs> wonderful in it. And I think Cary Grant and Myrna Loy are just like such a great duo. And she's so, it's one of those movies that I think actually, like if we're going to, you know, kind of move it to like, how does it hold up to today with its storyline? I think it's still pretty good. Myrna Loy is a boss. Like she. Oh, for sure. Takes no shit, decides her own future and like. You know, she'll listen to her uncle, but at the same time, like, it's her decision what she's going to do. Um, Not only that, girl's a fucking judge. Like, mm-hmm. she has the best job in this entire film. Like, she is bringing in those big bucks. She is sending those bad men to jail. Like, girl's got some big balls, is all I'm saying. <laughs> um, I think, I'm trying to think, is there anything else you want to add? No, other than I was, like, I think this was a really good episode, and I think you picked two really interesting films that were also, like, I'm glad you picked two very different films, because I think it could have been easy to be, like, let's give the horror slash thriller lover, like, two thrillers, and I'm glad you didn't, because I would, I, like I said, I would never have watched The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer, and that's, like, one I'd watch again, whereas, like, To Catch a Thief, I'm like, I respect it, it can stay there, I'll go back to Psycho and Rear Window. But, no, it's just, like, a really, like, I had more fun with this episode than I definitely thought I was going to. Yes. And I think that was your goal to begin with. It really was. Like, 100%. Yeah. Like, Um, your goal was to get me to like an old film, and I do. Yes. I'm proud of myself. 
I need everyone to recognize this was good work on my part. Um, so- no, it's been like, this has been like literally a point of contention in like our seven year friendship. <laughs> it's like the, the meme of Arthur, like when he just has his fist, I'm like, that's me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's Ashley with old movies. Whereas that's me with horror films to other people. Not just Ashley, just like 90% of my friends. I feel like I've never should like, talk just- to a horror film to you. I've just told you I'm afraid cause I'm a weenie. So it's like, but and I and I think maybe this will be a series next year. Is like I'll give you like a really pedestrian one. Well, I so I actually like, took a woman in horror film class. I've watched like a I good know. amount, and it was terrible. Like I watched, um, we'll go through it another time. But I watched a good amount of yeah. them where I was like, ah, okay, I know. I just have ones that like I've definitely converted people to like an actual horror fan as opposed to like because I think sometimes when they show like. Because I've taken horror movie classes before, too, and they show, like, the classics that are, like, kind of too much. Like, it's the little niche ones that are, like, they're really good, and I promise they're fun, and they're, like, <laughs> under like, like the transition. The, like, the skew of, like, women in horror film, it's, like, it was it's an so eye-opening gruesome. experience, right? You're just, I like... I also took... Oh. <laughs> I took a woman in horror film, and they showed this one horror film from the 60s that I was, like, I'm pretty sure this is banned in, like, five countries, like is it was all about she's the Man- a writer and she's like trying to no it was about the manson family and it was like oh. it wouldn't have been from the 60s then but it was like it was after it was right after the manson family murders and all that shit happened and it was basically just like gore porn which i'm not a fan of i don't deal with that shit i'm like i need my stories clearly from everything i've said on this podcast yeah so it's like i don't i don't do that i don't deal with i mean i'll watch saw because i think it's funny <laughs> Which, like, already tells you that I'm a fucking sociopath. But, like, um, no, I don't deal with things that are just bloody for bloody's sake. And so that's a lot of the shit that I feel like is shown in horror movie classes. When I'm like, no, if you, like, get horror films with actual stories, they're so much better. What are some of them? We did Birds, Rosemary's Baby, Texas Chainsaw Mm -hmm. Massacre. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... One's the one? I mean, those are all good. They're just not ones I would start with. Yeah. What was, I'm trying to think about the one where she's a writer. Oh, we also did Teeth. Teeth is definitely not one I would start with. No. I, it was <laughs> but a... it is, like, that's classic women in horror film, though. Mm-hmm. And my professor, she, like, she's one of my favorite people. Um, She was like, Ash, like, you're going to be fine. I'm like, am I, Beth? Am I? And, no, like, <laughs> she, I didn't like teeth. I was like, this is just too fucking much. I took the class solely for her because I was like, I love you as a professor. But um, she will always, like, go and see all the new horror films and, like, give her films. She loved Midsummer, Midsommar? Midsummer. Oh, interesting, Midsummer. I did not love Midsummer. It didn't dislike it. It just, oh, wait, again, was what? a pacing thing for me. But I loved Hereditary. That That's the one. Yes. Person. Sorry. Hereditary. I was like, is that the one with the, the little girl? Not Midsummer. The one with the little no, girl. No, no, no. Hereditary, I think, is the best horror film of the past five years. Yeah. She's seen it. She went to see the movie theaters like three times. And I was like, um, I'll stay. I I'm good. <laughs> specifically set away a day so I could go see it alone. <laughs> because that's what I, I like to be as scared as possible. Like, that's fun for me. It's like an adrenaline rush. So I was like, <laughs> I need to be as scared as I can be. So I'm going to go see it alone. And it was amazing. And I was like, this is the right choice. And I did the same thing with Midsummer and did not feel the same way. But Midsummer was more gory and it had more like background and like psychological shit. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, like it just, you know, it was so like 
Hereditary was just so classic, like, I'm gonna scare the shit out of you in as many ways as possible. Like, I found it fun. Whereas, like, Midsummer was like, I'm gonna mess with you (laughs) (laughs) to the point where you think about this for 10 years from now. So, interesting. Well, this is our take on horror films right at the end of uh, (laughs) Halloween, I guess. (laughs) Um, But we're here. I think this was great. I'm really happy you liked Bachelor and Bobby Soxer. That was, um... Shout out to Liz for helping me pick it. And, um, yeah, I just, I love them. And obviously I have a soft spot for old movies because, like I said, that was Liz and my, like, special mother-daughter time. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. As we've talked about, we're not good at ending things. So, Kelsey no, and I will probably talk for another hour after this podcast. Um, if you're not following Are us we on gonna... socials. <laughs> Are we going to tell them what we're doing next week? Oh, we didn't just do that? <laughs> No, we just took a break to discuss it and then never came back to it. (laughs) Um, So we are doing Scorpio. (laughs) Yeah, we're doing Scorpio because we have our resident Scorpio here, so we don't have to interview a Scorpio. Sorry, Hades wasn't able to come to the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Hades wasn't able to come to the phone right now. Oh, why? Because he's dead. (laughs) We have to do that in the next episode. Like, we have to. (laughs) I feel like we need to, like, get some Scorpio memes popping on the next oh, episode. Oh, I'll find some. I have me- so many saved. You've been sending me some fire Scorpio and Aquarius memes recently. Um, Shout out to Cary Grant, who is an Aquarius. Okay. So- is he really? <laughs> he is. You're I like welcome. him more now. <laughs> if you're not following us on social media, sorry. We're a fucking wreck. Okay. I hate myself. So on Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> we are at capital M-I-M underscore podcast. On Facebook, we are at Make It Modern Podcast. Um, yeah, that's all we've got. So I've been Ashley. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Because this episode hasn't been enough of a mess. I was on a podcast this week. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Everyone go listen to it. Tell them about it. Yes. It's, um, sorry to just completely interrupt your outro, but, um, we, um, so TV Guide has this podcast called All I Want for Christmas is This Podcast, and it's actually really cute, and it's run by this adorable little woman named Julia, and she's great, and, um, so I volunteered to be on this podcast, and it talked about Rob Lowe's Holiday in the Wild. Which I want to mention that I, I, when you told me that, I'm like, did we not just like have a text discussion where you weren't really sure if it was going to be racist or not? Um, I, so it is, but (laughs) I, I only brought up one sentence about how problematic it is. And for my humanitarian Aquarius side, that was as good as I was going to get. Cause I also am like, this is a a guest podcast spot. I'm not just going to go on my like social justice path right now and be like two white people telling us how great Africa is amazing. Um, so like 90% of the episode is me thirsting over Jono and Lo as Rob Lowe's son. And also shirtless, like shirtless Rob Lowe. So like nothing changes. I'm still the same person, but go listen to All I Want for Christmas is this podcast because it's also really cute and they talk about Christmas movies all the time and it's, it's adorable. Yes. So yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> I never do guest spots on podcasts, whereas Ashley's like actually done a few. So I I'm have like a lot kind of coming excited. up this month that I'm like, I have I this. hate you. I want to be part of more. Whatever. We'll talk it over. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, you want to get... Yeah, I've been Ashley. <laughs> I've been Kelsey, and this has been a massive an episode, but hopefully you come back next week. Bye! Bye! <laughs>